Well, good morning, Sunrise. Welcome to worship on this glorious day, this great Sunday in the middle of summer. It's good to be here worshiping with you, good to be here singing and worshiping our God together. Today is going to be a little bit different, but first, welcome to all of you guys. Welcome to our guests. If you guys are worshiping with us online, welcome to you guys. Um, today's going to be a bit, well, it's not different. It's going to be a little bit more fun, maybe. Um, as you probably saw on the Facebook, we talked about this past couple of weeks, but today is our Throwback Worship Sunday. We've been pre preparing for this for a bit now. The worship team had a whole lot of fun practicing this past Thursday night and reminiscing on these songs. Yeah, we're going to bring things back to the 90s. I don't think any of our songs are from the 80s, but... Um, maybe early 2000s, but as I was thinking back on these songs, as I was prepping them for worship and getting them all set in the slides and reading all these words again and listening to them again, it brought me back to high school and my college days. Um, and just, I went to Hope College and uh, I was, got the blessing to be on the worship team when I was there. And so I just brought, was brought back to being in Dimnit Chapel um, at Hope College, worshiping with, you know, a thousand of my peers, since in some of these songs. So sometimes you, you remember these songs and like, ah, that's silly, that's silly. But, you know, God did some pretty great things in, in our lives through these songs years and years ago. So I just encourage you as we sing these songs, as we worship with them, um, reminisce um, of where you were when you like first learned this song. And it's, maybe you've sung it 150 times since then, but um, I just think of what, what God has done in your life since then and through these songs. So why don't you guys stand with us as we sing, as we worship God by starting with open the eyes of my heart. Let's sing today. Here we go. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. Oh, I want to see. And open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. Yes, I want to see. To see you high and lifted up. Shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love. As we sing, holy, holy, holy. Say again, open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see. Oh, I want to see. I want to see, oh, to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory, oh, pour out your power and love as we sing holy, 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 to see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. 
We bless your name. We bless your name this morning, God. It's so good to praise you, Lord, to worship you. Even when the times are great or times are tough and we're in low in the valley, God, we bless your name. We know we just declare these words you give, you take away, but God, our hearts will always be in a worshipful, worshipful state, God. We give praises to you, honor to you. We seek your face this morning, Jesus.
seated. Thanks so much. How about a hand for the praise band? And for the Lord. I just realized, throwback Sunday? Right, right, right. And uh, I didn't look in the mirror this morning, but as I looked down at my shirt, I thought, hmm, I kind of look like that uh, guy from Jurassic Park. Spared no expense, if you get that joke. And even one of our announcements might be interesting. So welcome, welcome, welcome. God bless. Thank you all for coming for first-time guests and visitors and others of you that have been here kind of on and off. It's summertime. Uh, we all come and go in God's great kingdom. There are people up north and down south, the pastors on vacation, and we celebrate and pray for, for all of them. And uh, for those of you that are here or visiting online, God's greatest welcome from the Sunrise Ministries family to you. Uh, we have connection information. There's postings on the board. There's a connection table at the back. There are gifts for people. Uh, we just love to meet you, get your name, and answer any questions that you have. You can approach me or anyone that looks uh, semi-official or kind of old. And uh, they, they might know. That's right. They might know some stuff. There is an official announcement here. Tonight at 6, what's the scoop in Hudsonville, right? Is that what we're seeing? Yeah, what's the scoop in Hudsonville for the, for the young for the students and stuff, parent estimate uh, picked up at 7.15. The sugar coma will be about 7.14. The froze heads and stuff like that just a little bit earlier. Now, unless there's a back to the future something about this next announcement, it says there's a park date July 19th. Is today July 20th? 
29th. There we go. Okay, it's just a mistype here. July 20th. Thanks you so much. I thought that was a Back to the Future moment, too. <laughs> July 29th, 10 a.m. at Hager Park. And those are fun. They've been fun. We had uh, some pool parties for the kids, and we've got some of the things going on for the youth. The idea is we're a family. We love to grow together, to share together, and to just show God's love to each other. So loving God, loving each other is just a very important thing to us here at Sunrise Ministries. Great to see you all. There's, there's actually a, a time of greeting. The kids will uh, eventually go back for, uh, for Kids Zone back there. We'll do a three-minute greeting. But one of the things I'd like to also say in the songs too, this is God's great heaven and earth. Everything is the Lord's from Alpha to Omega, from the beginning to the end. We're part of his kingdom. And as you partner here with us or as you're able to do, um, giving to us for our ministries, for the staff, for everything that we're trying to accomplish for missions is a wonderful, wonderful thing. There's a donation box in the back. Uh, there's online opportunities and um, there's just ways for people to, to give and support. There's a board out there, too, that says, if you need something, post the need that you have. And if you have something to share or give, feel free to post that on the board as well. And then as our family grows and as our family benefits from each other, we can come together even more in God's kingdom. Praise God. Enjoy a time of uh, three minutes, and we'll do a countdown clock, and uh, we'll see you back here with Pastor Corey, and it's going to be a blessing for all of us. God bless. All right. Well, good morning, Sunrise. How are we today? All two of you are great. Good morning, Sunrise. How are we today? Morning. That's better. Y'all have such beautiful voices. Don't hold that back. Come on now. All right. So today we get the pleasure of hearing me speak. I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, for some of you, you might be like, why did I show up today? This guy is speaking. But anyways... Either way, I think it'll be a great Sunday. Um, and so as many of you know, last week Dennis mentioned that several weeks ago he came to Noah and I, and he's like, hey, can you guys speak while I'm away? And we're like, yes, absolutely. Once again, actually, so last time when Dennis asked me to speak, I said yes before I learned what I was speaking on, right? <laughs> Poor choice. This time I asked questions, and I got to know what I was speaking about before I said yes. So... I made a wiser decision. I learned from last time around. So anyways, some three weeks ago, Dennis kicked off our series on the prophet Haggai, right? Where he introduced various bits and pieces about the prophet that are just good for us to know, right? If it's in the scriptures, there's probably something good in there for us to know. Is that a fair, is that a fair statement? So this story happens in the post-exilic period, which is the period after the Babylonian captivity of the Jews in about 586 to 576 BC. It's a long time ago. And the name Haggai is quite likely, Dennis said, a title or a nickname that is more so than a name, right? It could be my celebration, my joy, something along those lines. And it could also be a name, but it's Theorize that it could also mean something different, which I think is really cool. And two weeks ago, we went into the idea of restoring God's presence amongst his people. And then last week, Noah talked about the big idea that grace precedes obedience, right? He said if there's one thing we could take away, it was that God's grace precedes our obedience. And that even in our disobedience, there's grace to be found. I'm thankful for that. 
So to give you context on where we are today, we're entering into chapter two. We finally made it one chapter after three weeks. So in chapter two of Haggai, according to many scholars, the year that this has been delivered is likely the year 520 BC, right? So that's some 2,500 years ago. Does that, is that just wild to anybody else to think that this is 2,500 years ago? Like that's not even fathomable, right? And likely it's in the month of October, which plays into the context of the passage because when Haggai is delivering these words, the Jews are nearing the last day of a feast, which is called the Feast of Booths, right? Some people know it as the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Booths um, is where Jews every single year in the fall would celebrate God delivering the Jews out of the land of Egypt into Canaan by living in man-made huts or booths, right? And so the Jews would do this as a commemoration, as a remembrance of the journey that the Jews had made and to honor God and what he did. It's important. Cultural context matters. And lastly, in this passage, Haggai is addressing both the leadership right? So he's addressing Zerubbabel and Joshua, but he's also addressing the common folk, the people like you and me, right? He's addressing all of people like us, which is different than chapter one, because chapter one is specifically addressed to the leadership. So let's just get into it and let's read. In the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you who saw the house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it nothing in your eyes yet? Now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Fear not. So after reading that, you may be asking yourself, what does this passage of Scripture actually mean? It's a great question. You should pat yourself on the back, right? In fact, you may be further asking yourself, who is this remnant of the people? And, and, and actually, what is this house that had former glory that's mentioned in verse 3? And, 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 and really, you may be even saying to yourself, seems how we sang throwback worship today, you may wonder, does this house of glory have a big, big house with lots and lots of rooms? And does it have a big, big table with lots and lots of food, right? Does anyone else get the reference right there? I thought that was pretty clever. I just, yeah. just got just to gotta throw that out there. I know my wife did, and she thought it was hysterical. And that's, that's truly what matters. So I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So let's start with the house of glory, which we can know to be the temple, right? We can know that this is the temple. But why is the temple important? Have you ever seen a building or a creation that was 
made by the hands of people, right? So obviously there's natural things. But just buildings or man-made inventions that just put you in a little bit of awe. Has anyone ever seen something like that? You're just like, wow, that's incredible. This past weekend, Lindsay and I, we were in Detroit for a short weekend getaway. And while we were there, we visited the Henry Ford Museum, which if you've never been, I highly recommend it. It's incredible. And in this museum, there's just loads and loads of cool human history. I mean, there's all kinds of presidential limousines, which I think is just cool to see. Like, this is the limousine that, you know, Teddy Roosevelt used in the 1900s. Like, that's just crazy to me. And, and there's, there's stuff like, you know, there's a whole section on automobiles, which if you're a car person, that's just really, really cool. And if, if you're a person who likes... You know, uh, the civil rights story, there's a whole amazing, incredible section dedicated to civil rights that's just awe-inspiring. But in this museum, there was a portion that I found especially incredible, and it was the steam engines and the generators and the things that were made by human hands dating all the way back to the 1700s. Like, we're talking industrial revolution type stuff, right? Right? And these are machines that would be taller than this, the roof in this room right here, and they would take up over half of this room. I mean, just the sheer size and brevity of these machines were just incredible. And to think that they didn't have automated systems. These things were built by hand with levers and pulleys. That's just incredible to me. Just incredible. They didn't have a crane to lift up these giant cast iron wheels. I mean, this was, this was just the power of people coming together to do these things. It was crazy. And so as we're walking through, I'm just in awe, right? And now, mind you, um, I, I've, I've only left the country just recently. And that was for our honeymoon, and it was just a cruise, which was amazing. But as I'm going through, I look at Lindsay, and I go, man, aren't these things incredible? And she goes, yeah, they're cool. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, "Ah, once you go to Europe and you see the cathedrals and you see the museums and you see the art and you see the buildings that people have built several hundred years further back, if not thousands of years ago, she's like, "You, you, then you'll understand what's awe-inspiring. And it was interesting. I was like, I thought this was cool, but my wife is saying there's something a whole lot better. Interesting. So interesting, and I, I think that story kind of, it, it kind of ties into our story today, which is because we're talking about the temple. We're talking about the temple, something that really was a creation of its own. It was something that the people got around. They were proud of their temple. They were excited about their temple, right? Why? Because it was beautiful, but most importantly, because it was known as the dwelling place of God. And for the Jews, that's so incredibly important. So the temple is this house of glory, specifically the first and second temple, which we'll get into. You see, it can be easy in our current context of church to forget that the church some 2,500 years ago looked vastly different than it does today. Today, we have the pleasure of being able to go online if, if we're not feeling well or we're on vacation or whatever it may be and tune into church. And I'm thankful for those moments, right? 
That's awesome. And, and sometimes we might say, hey, you know what? I want to go visit my friend's church up the road. They're singing on Sunday, and I, I just want to go, you know, support them and be there. And that's awesome, right? But the reality is, is that 2,500 years ago, there was one place to go and worship God. One place, the temple. That was the place you went. That was, you didn't have the option just to go and try, it was the temple. That is where you went. So for the Jews in this story, Haggai delivering the word of the Lord regarding the rebuilding of this temple, right? Because the first century temple by Solomon has been destroyed in the exile. And now we're rebuilding the second temple. This is Zerubbabel's command to rebuild. And so as Haggai is delivering words of the Lord regarding this rebuilding, this is important news. This is big, big news. Yes, to play on that pun again. This is big, big news, right? So to answer the question of who is the remnant of this people, Haggai is addressing a people that many scholars believe to be the people who lived through this Babylonian exile, right? So these are people who, when they were young kids, they saw the first century temple and all of its glory and all of its beauty, and they were in awe. They were mesmerized. And then tragically, the Babylonians came in and destroyed everything, sent them away from their homes, sent them into a land of exile, and they lost everything. And so now it's been some 50 to 70 years, depending on how you look at it, that these people have been without a temple. They have been without a place to go to be and see the dwelling place of God. They have been, at, they have been without a temple where the atonement for sins can happen. This is big. This is big news. And so these people are probably a little bit older. In fact, in the book of Ezra, we see a bit more information on what the rebuilding of the second temple looks like and who these remnant of people are. You see, Ezra's record gives readers a context, and, and he actually helps us to identify two major groups of people in this passage. It is those who are the remnant and those who are younger and have not been around to see that first century temple. Here's what Ezra 3.12 says. Many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many had shouted aloud for joy. So think about that. The old were weeping out of sorrow, but the young were rejoicing with joy. That's interesting. Hold on to that. Here's what this likely means. This group of older people, specifically probably the Levites and heads of families and, and people who have a large impact in what their local faith community thought are weeping and downhearted because of a few things. Number one, in their eyes, this second temple looks nothing like the majesty and glory of the first temple they grew up with. It pales in their eyes, right? If the first temple is the Taj Mahal, right, a wonder of the world, this second temple in their eyes is like a Kmart, right? Nobody gets excited about going to Kmart, right? Nobody does. In fact, when I was a child and my mom said that we were going to Kmart, I cried, okay? 
So I would probably identify with this first group of people, all right? You see, if the temple was destroyed in exile between the years of 586 and 576 BC, and it's now at 520, these people are older, right? They've lived life. And furthermore, for most of these people's lives, their only remembrance of the temple is that when they were a small child. That's it. And furthermore, to add to it, they're seeing the rebuilding of this temple in their old age. And we all can know that a temple is not built in a 30-minute HGTV episode. It takes years and years and years. I imagine it to be like the construction on Michigan's roads, never-ending, continually going, right? It just continues to go. But you see, the the second group of people, therefore, are this younger generation, and they're probably just thrilled. They're like, we're finally going to have this dwelling place of God. We're finally going to have this temple. We're finally doing the things that matter, right? We're excited. We're built up. We just cannot believe it. And it doesn't matter to them how great or small this second temple is because they know that their kingdom contributions matter no matter what the opinions of others are. I I can't help but wonder if some of us may know what it's like to live in a place where the younger generation is so thrilled to see kingdom work being done only for a group of people of the older generation, those who they're supposed to look up to and seek wisdom from, criticize and weep about their contemporaries' kingdom contributions. Can't help but wonder. Perhaps it's good for all of us in this moment to pause and reflect, and for the sake of not getting us all fired here, because I don't want to do that. I think it could be beneficial for those of us across generational lines to remember that from young to old and old to young that there is equal value in each generation. And the wise words of my wonderful wife, the younger generation should be reminded that they need to give the respect to the older generation that is due for what they have built in the kingdom. But the older generation also needs to give their trust to the younger generation to continue building the kingdom. You see, regardless of our current or past situations and regardless of what the world looks like around us versus what it did, regardless of what the economy looks like now versus what it did then or what it could even be in the future, it may do us some good to remember that the kingdom of God has been and still is and will be at hand. It could do us some help, and I think it could have done some help to the Jews in 520 BC. You see, the same God who was 20, 40, 60, and even some 2,000 years ago is the same God who will be in the future. And until he returns and restores heaven and earth, our mission will remain the same. We are to love God, we are to love our neighbor, and we are to spread his word throughout this world and make disciples of all nations. That mission does not change. In fact, it's a pretty easy mission when you think about it. He takes the the load of that burden of doing that. 
We just have to be faithful. You could almost say it like this, for the Jews in that time, they couldn't move forward because they were always looking back. It's almost like the story of Lot and his wife when they're fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, and God tells them, don't look back, but what does Lot's wife do? She looks back, and she turns into a pillar of salt. That's a tragedy, tragedy. So what can we take away from this passage today? Like, what is the so what? Just as Haggai's words reminded the people that their hope was not in a temple or in a place, we should be reminded that our hope is not in a temple or in a place. It is in the Messiah, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who is in our midst now. Haggai 2.4 Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. I'm going to say it again. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. It's as if the Lord was saying to the ancient Jews, I know what you see around you is not what you like, and it may discourage you when compared to what once was, but don't fear because I'm with you. I'm here with you right now. Be encouraged for my spirit is in your midst. And to further add to this context, knowing that God is omniscient, which means knowing both past and future, he's all-knowing, I think it's fair to say that as modern-day readers we can potentially infer into the text that the Jews' true hope was not centralized on the temple being restored, which was a good thing. It was a good thing, but it wasn't centralized on that and being the final resting place of God, but it was on the coming Messiah who would save all mankind unto himself some 500 years later. It was a signpost saying we're moving in this direction towards the Messiah who's coming. And within that, Further hope was in the Holy Spirit who would soon come thereafter and who still dwells among God's people today. If we look back into the passage, the encouragement from the Lord, I think it's very interesting. His encouragement to the people is not that the temple will be restored. His encouragement comes from the fact that he is with his people, even without a temple. I think this is foreshadowing, absolutely foreshadowing into the idea that the Messiah was soon to come. And again, the temple being restored is a good thing, but it's not the ultimate. I mean, think about it this way. Can you ever remember a time where a temple or a place transformed people's lives for the better in a way that Jesus does with you and me? I can't. So today, if we maybe find ourselves in that first group, grumbling and griping about the way this world is going, or at least our perceptions of the current world, or our perceptions of what the church is doing now compared to what it was doing then, or, or what we feel like the kingdom work has, is doing now versus what it was then, even with the struggles of this world, even with the injustices, even with all of the problems that we 
observe. Can we choose not to be a people who cries and mourns at the foundations of what the next generation is building? Can we not cry about what is happening in God's kingdom? But rather one who rejoices and celebrates with this next generation. Surely our complaints are not going to encourage people. Like who feels motivated to go work when someone's like, what you're doing is nothing like what I did. Because that's motivating. Woo, right? You know? You know, it's like, it's like when you're, you're in class and you're building something and, you're, you know, like woodworking, for example, you're building a table and you're really proud of it and your teacher goes, well, that's nothing compared to what I did when I was in high school, right? Well, that, thanks, man. I appreciate that. That's a real encouragement. I'm going to work harder, you know? Let's be encouraging. I think we should just, I just, I feel like it boils down to this. Our hope is in the Messiah, And that's where we need to find it. And our goal is to point people to him rather than fixate and perceive, fixate and perceive to be this lackluster foundation in the kingdom. Once again, we cannot move forward if we're always looking back. This leads me to my next point, which is this. And this is perhaps one of the greater pushes that the Lord is making to the Jews in this section, which is that there is still kingdom work to be done in sharing the good news of the Messiah and reflecting his image throughout the world. There is still work to do. Verse four says, work for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. My favorite Bible scholar, N.T. Wright, has this beautiful metaphor that he shares often in I'm going to read it to you. and He shares this thought that every single one of us is like a laborer working on a magnificent cathedral amongst many other laborers. Consider one of the grand cathedrals that Europe is famous for. And each one of us is like a stonemason who has been contracted by the master designer to work on a single piece of stone for a very long time. The stonemason is told that his piece of stone is critical to the building of this cathedral, but in his mind, it is just a small, insignificant piece. He cannot even comprehend this piece of stone being imperative to the building of this cathedral. So the mason chisels and chips away at the stone as he is instructed, but the master is wise in that he gives a general idea of what he's looking for to allow the mason to have freedoms on how he arrives to his end goal. And along the way, the mason, of course, goes as one does, getting bumps and bruises and scratches and cuts as he chisels away at the stone and as he stresses over what he is to do. And see, The mason really has little to no idea how this stone's going to fit, but along the way as he's going, he can kind of go, I kind of can see how maybe this will work, and oh, I think this kind of fits here, and he kind of gets the idea, but it's still overall a mystery in his mind. And so finally, one day, the master comes to the mason and tells him that his labor is done. And he asks to inspect the stone that this mason has worked on all of these years. And he goes, the stone is complete. 
This looks great. This is exactly what I wanted you to do. And the Mason is kind of puzzled because he's like, I still don't see it. I still don't get it. And it's at this point that the master takes the stone and, and what he does is he places it in just the right part of this cathedral. And it fits in perfectly, just like a glove. And it's at this point that the Mason finally gets the understanding that all along he just needed to be faithful, that the master had a grand plan. As the worship team comes today, I think the story drives home this, that at times we can be overwhelmed by what seems to be going on around us or what seems insignificant or what seems like it's just futile to do. And sometimes we can fear and worry over what is going to happen in the future, but I think it would do well for us to remember that just as God made a covenant with the Jews in Egypt, he's also made a covenant with us, us today. We don't need to worry about the big things. We don't need to compare and contrast to what was and what will be. We just need to be faithful and tend to our small portion of building the kingdom that's in front of us. We just got to focus on our small stone because that's all we've been assigned to do. And along the way, let's encourage each other as they also do kingdom building work. The words of 1 Corinthians 15, 58, I, I think would have been wonderful for the Jews to have in their moment. And I'm glad that we have it today now. And it says this, from the words of the Apostle Paul, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's encouraging. That no matter what, how insignificant something seems in my eye, what I am doing is building the kingdom. Even if it seems like I am just showing up to work, I am helping to build the kingdom. Even if I am just fixing something at my neighbor's house, I am helping build the kingdom. Your labor is not in vain. I think it would have done the Jews such a good service to know that what they were investing into all of those years ago was building the kingdom and it was not in vain. Because I can imagine it would be hard to remember what was and what you see now and know that you have been called and commissioned to work with the younger generation to build this temple that, number one, you will never see the end of because you will die before it's completed. And number two, you think it pales in comparison. And you're being told to invest and to support and to encourage and help build. I can imagine that's hard, but when we take it in the context of our labor is not in vain, that changes the equation. That changes the equation. So as we close today, let us hold strong and fast to the words of Haggai 2.4. Be strong, all of you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. Be strong and fear not, because I am in your midst.
for us today, we know that the Holy Spirit's in our midst, even at this present time. And, and, and maybe our challenge or our charge for this week can be to live in a way that reflects that idea to the world around us. May we be reminded that his spirit is not confined to the temples that we have built within us, excuse me, but within us, we who are the temples of the Holy Spirit. May we labor under the Lord no matter our work context in a way that reflects his Imago Dei, the image of God. May we bring glory to his name. May we be faithful to invest and build even if we will never see the final product. And may we be reminded that just as the Jews looked for the Messiah to come and rescue them, we too get to look forward to the return of our Messiah to make all things right unto himself. As you are a generous church and as we um, together build into the kingdom, uh, we, one of the ways we can do that right now is, we'll, is as we worship, give of our tithes and offerings and this money will sow into some of the upkeeps we're doing to the church for the past six months and those we continue to do but also as we sow into um jenison and also beyond for their local and global missions so let's uh use this time to give our tithes and offerings we have the um giving is in our app but also on our our website and we also have the beautiful wood box in the back between the doors that you can drop off offerings there and if you're as worshiping with us online the link will drop in in just a second where you can click on and get on our website so anyway that said let's continue to worship with our last throwback song better as one day let's stand together
charged with an important perspective that, number one, he is in our midst. And number two, that we cannot move forward if we're always looking back. As we go from here today, let us strive to be faithful in our portion of the building of the kingdom. Let us strive to encourage and uplift one another. 
regardless of what we might think. And let us strive to reflect the glory of our King throughout his kingdom. And finally, in the words of Jude, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory and majesty and dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Go in his grace and his peace today.